morning, I want to bring in our first guest. We've got Mark Chandler joining us from Bannockburn. Mark, good to have you back. Let's begin with the S&P 500, the quarter loss we saw, and how it's a clear example of the unease, the uncertainty tied to recent well, central bank activity, I mentioned the TNX to 4%, and while earnings are just around the corner, no guarantees that that's going to answer any questions, right? Possibility it could actually add to them. Yeah, I think that uh, the key feature in the earnings is going to be more companies attributing some of the earnings weakness to the strength of the dollar. You know, when U.S. companies earn money overseas, uh, accounting purposes, they have to translate it. That's what's called translating it into dollars. And, of course, those foreign earnings don't buy as many dollars. You know, I mentioned at the top of the show the Dow uh, first three-quarter loss, consecutive quarter loss in, since 2015. Uh, and uh, I also mentioned here, I just want to double check that real quick, but I also mentioned, uh, I'm sorry, uh, since November of 2020, closing below the first third quarter loss since, yeah, 2015. But, you know, to that point here, Mark, the Dow was the first one to give way below those June lows, right? And a reflection of the multinationals, the impact that strength in the U.S. dollar has on them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the weights on them. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I think that, you know, the U.S. economy contracted in Q1 and Q2. Many people, including myself, think that we're still headed for recession, if not this year, uh, early next year. And I think this is a wait, too. I mean, we're seeing demand weaken. Uh, the business cycle is turning over. And I suspect that is probably the biggest weight on earnings coming from not just the U.S. weaker growth, but really weaker growth across the globe. Higher yields a factor. Let's talk a little bit about the U.K. And I mentioned this morning at the top of the show, they dropped the plan to cut taxes for the top earners. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that's like Oscar Wilde had this quote. He said that there are two tragedies in life, not getting what you want and getting what you want. <laughs> so the, the U.K. Uh, just picked uh, the new prime minister who promised to cut taxes, who promised to channel Margaret Thatcher. And now they've gotten it, they're having second thoughts, not just the British, but, of course, the global response has been, has been quite dramatic. So I think that there is a small compromise uh, about cutting the uh, upper income tax burden. Uh, they're going to get move away from that. Whether that's really enough to restore the U.K.'s credibility or not, a different story. I do think sentiment, though, got so over overstretched. You know, we look at the Bollinger Bands. Those are two standard deviations from the 20-day moving average. And Sterling moved more than three standard deviations, way overdone at that 103.50. And I think another illustration of how badly it was treated and the exaggeration was that many people began talking about uh, the UK as an emerging market country. Mm -hmm. And of course, the emerging market country is, is just tarring. It's just, it's sort of like an insult, uh, meant to be an insult. And I think that the, you know, I look at this policy mix, the same policy mix that Thatcher had, same policy mix of Reagan, same policy mix when the Berlin Wall fell, same policy mix that we had uh, for Trump as he cut taxes and the Federal Reserve raised interest rates. This is ultimately a bullish policy mix that's expanding fiscal policy, tightening monetary policy, and the market's expecting the Bank of England, when they do meet in early November, to hike rates by 150 basis points. So I think that sterling was way overdone. Uh, I think that up here at 112, 113 is really uh, an important level. We get above 113, and I think a bottom would be, we think a bottom's in place. Basically, back to the levels uh, where we opened up the door to the downside, below 114. And in terms of that, I think a big part of that was added to by a lack of liquidity, right? I mean, uh, many traders were forced to kind of step away from it due to some of the volatility. And uh, you mentioned here the global response to those tax cuts, the IMF, some very choice words. 
uh, telling them to basically reconsider ultimately and uh, uh, reevaluate. And, you know, it does raise some credibility questions. I guess the, the next thought I have here is does it raise some concerns about some of the other, uh, you know, areas of the plan ultimately? Do they come into question now or are they still kind of firmly intact at this point? Well, I think that, you know, for a government that uh, just gets uh, just is installed, uh, for them to back down on their campaign promises would also seem to be undermining their credibility. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the the bigger issue, I think, with the U.K. is does it represent uh, sort of the canary in a coal mine? Is it warning us of other systemic risks out there? And as you know, there's some rumors about a large European bank having trouble. Uh, we're seeing the cross-currency basis swaps, which is really a measure of the ease in which it is to access dollars. Uh, that's under a lot of pressure. Uh, over the weekend, uh, a, a report suggests that Yellen, speaking with uh, South Korea officials who want a swap line with the Federal Reserve, uh, has suggested that it could be forthcoming if things deteriorate further. So I think that the, the U.K., of course, it's a, a self-inflicted wound, mm-hmm. but many people see in it uh, a wider systemic risk. We talked about the possibility of something like this happening here in the U.S., and we didn't want to go overboard in terms of comparing apples to oranges with the pension tie to uh, what uh, it seemed like the BOA was trying to provide stability for. And as we look at the currency, it does seem like it has worked uh, over the last uh, five days here now, six days it looks like, possibly five days to the upside here. Mark, talk to us about some of the uh, central bank activity coming back our way this week. We'll hear from the RBAR and the RBNZ, both expected uh, well, hikes to come more, it looks like. Yeah, so, uh, you know, first thing tomorrow, the RBA is going to move. Uh, at the last meeting, uh, Governor Lowe had suggested they could slow down their moves. But I think the combination of Aussie weakness, still high inflation, uh, gets the market leaning towards 50 basis point hike. I'm looking at the futures market, and it looks to me like it's priced in about 60% chance. On the other hand, New Zealand seem to be a done deal, 50 basis points, uh, middle of the week, uh, and, and that's just about priced in. Uh, so I, I think that the real focus, you know, I think that people are taking this for granted, the RBA hikes, the uh, New Zealand hikes, and I think that we have to get into the end of the month for the next uh, flurry of central bank meetings, uh, important, and that would be the ECB, and the market's pricing in a 75 basis point hike from the ECB. Talk to us uh, a little bit here about, uh, uh, you know, when I think about it, kind of drastic times call for drastic measures. We're seeing reflection of that in terms of you mentioned the U.S. dollar, some of the strength we've seen there, a factor to consider when we're talking about earnings, but rates as well, Mark, uh, the TNX last week up into the 4% level. Yeah, but I think this is the real story, is that the market rejected that 4% level in the 10-year yield. We're back down in near 371 today. Huh. And what I'm looking at, too, is, you know, part of the criticism of the Federal Reserve, because they began the tightening later than people thought, uh, that they should have, uh, that people say the Fed lacks credibility. But what I'm looking at is a two-year break-even. That's the difference between the two-year tip, inflation-linked security, and the conventional security. And that is trading below 2% for the first time since December 2020. The 10-year break-even is at about 214. This is the lowest in more than a year. And so I, I think that inflation expectations are easing, even though next week we're likely to see uh, another firm core CPI reading. I think that the inflation expectations are easing, 
Part of it has to do with falling commodity prices, including gasoline. Uh, but in general, I, I think that these are kind of numbers that we want to see lower inflation expectations. And this, will, this doesn't stop the Fed from tightening rates. But the market, after that, you had mentioned in your preview that the uh, that how the market reacted to uh, Powell, both at Jackson Hole and then again with the FOMC meeting in late September. And I, I think the market, you know, right afterwards, the market was pricing in about 550, 5.5% for the terminal rate of Fed funds. And it's come back, back to about 4.5%. So I think, again, the market exaggerated and it's come back down. But I think that's the important thing. The Federal, Federal Reserve has tipped uh, – 125 basis point hikes this year and another hike early next year. And I think the market has that fully on board. A good point there. Possibly things did get a little bit overdone and a swift rejection off that upper level to your point there on the TNX. And I just looked here, uh, the national average here right now down to 379, well off those highs we saw earlier this summer up around five, up and through $5, still above the 319 this time last year, but we have seen commodities prices come off mark, and we do appreciate you bringing this all to our attention this Monday morning and sharing part of yours with us. Mark Chandler, the chief market strategist at Bannockburn, look forward to having you back.